This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, chumps? This is Matt. Welcome back. Let me start with a confession today and kind of an alert for you. And that is that uh, I stayed up really late last night after I heard about the Apple thing where the federal government was trying to get, you know, make them hack into that phone from San Bernardino. Uh, I wanted to see if I could help out. And so I worked on the problem for a little bit. And uh, good news, I was able to crack it. And so if you're listening to my voice right now, I downloaded this podcast. Uh, I have officially installed a virus through a back door on your iPhone. And so I'm going to pass my, the information along to, to the government so they can do the same thing. But, you know, you are no longer secure. I have officially hacked you. Um, this podcast is also, by the way, I've been meaning to tell you, we've been doing the subliminal brainwashing, too. So your actual brain is hacked officially now if you've listened to more than four episodes of this podcast. And there's a back door into your consciousness that Joey has direct access to on a terminal in his uh, in his basement. So, yeah, that's good. Well, it's not good news for you, but it's good news for the federal government. And so, yeah. All right. If you're in California and if you could help us out, we've got a couple of venues uh, secured for these shows, but we need a little bit of help. I don't think we yet have confirmed an L.A. venue. So if somebody knows a place near Hollywood, coffee shop, shared workspace, event space, something we could use, borrow, a nice home uh, in you know in town there, or, or possibly rent for a good deal. If you do, send us an email at music at badchristian.com. And if we get it hooked up, we'll give you a couple tickets. And uh, that show is going to be on March the 4th. Along with the other California shows, you can see the dates at emoryacoustic.com. They are almost sold out. And so you should get those tickets quickly. I'm very excited about that, by the way. So thank you for getting them. But if you haven't got them, go to emoryacoustic.com. And don't forget Devin Shelton's crowdfund is nearing the end here. Doing really good. It's gonna looks like it's gonna meet its goal, but certainly help us be part of that. And he, all his covers are posted over there. So if you've heard about those cover songs that Devin's doing, they're at DevonSheltonMusic.com. And yes, maybe I haven't said it officially. I just thought it was assumed. BC Music, Bad Christian is putting out Devin's album. Of course, he's on he's on this old label of ours. So yeah, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Speaking of not being a rocket scientist, here's Toby and Joey. Microphone check two one two. Microphone check two one two. It's the bad Christian podcast. What you gonna do? Microphone check one two. Bad Christian. Microphone check two one two. Hell yeah, we up in it. This is going down for real. We going live. Motherfucking Holy Spirit up in this place. Hell yeah. Hey, I really have been thinking. Like, have we started a revolution of people that will be cussing and also using Christian knees? Motherfucker, I'm going to pour into your ass. Oh, shit. That's a motherfucking God thing. Oh, hell yeah. God showed up. Shit. We have, we have caused so many to stumble. So much stumbling is going to happen. Oh, you depressed? Well, Satan is always up to some nasty ass shit in your life. Very and good. we's about to get medieval on that mother. <laughs> All right. While well, I got Joey in a good mood, Toby, let me propose something to you. Joey, hang in there with me here. Joey, hang in. I gotta get your I gotta get make sure you're on board with it. But we ate lunch today at the Mexican restaurant. We got the nachos. Unpack this motherfucker. We got the, <laughs> <laughs> we got the nachos and we ordered the nachos at the Mexican restaurant here in Charleston. And we say, 
And this is makes their people's heads blow, but Toby ordered nachos with no chips. Right. So we say, can we have that on a bed of lettuce? Right. So it'll be grilled chicken, white queso cheese, sour cream, guacamole, lettuce, and this awesome grilled chicken. Put that on a plate. And I was like, yeah. So, you know, it'll be kind of like a salad. And she just looks at it. It's like we're crazy and goes, yeah. Okay. Kind of giggles I guess. Like yeah. giggles. I'll go tell them. No and so I, and I, I, of course, said, yeah, me too. I'm going to have the same thing. And then shockingly, surprisingly, Joey says, Make that three. Yeah. So awesome. Congratulations, Kudos to you, Joey. I Joey. really respect you for your choice. I think that was a wise choice. To Why? N- well, because you were, you're eat, you were eating similar to the way Toby and I eat, which is the, without the grains or the sugars kind of thing. Well, so I just, just didn't want to right rock way. the boat either. Okay. Anyway, good. That's good. Now, here's what I'm saying. I think that you are often skeptical of the diet that Toby and I are on. And it's, it's the really? car. I'm certain you are. There's tape of it on previous episodes where yes, you seem to just, you know, like make fun of disrespect, not right. take the kinds of things that we're saying about not eating sugar and that fat is good and, and so. fat is good stuff like that. Anyway, here's what I think. I do believe there's just a good amount of carb side effects and carb intolerance and sugars that are harmful to people. And I do believe that sugars affect brains and brain chemistry. I'm sure that they right. do. And I'm not going to go into science of it, but it's anybody could find right. how, how it, it, it yeah. affects dopamine levels, at least to right. some degree. And you have a dopamine out of whack system. You agree with that, right? Right. Okay. You are dope. So I don't think, I don't believe, and don't say you have, I don't believe that you've ever really given a uh, carb restricted, uh, fat burning diet. Uh, a real chance before I could be wrong about that, but I don't believe you've ever done it or done it well or done it with enough support. I would say so. Here's what I want to propose. I think you would naturally uh, resist this, and I do believe that you are for sure a sugar addicted person. Don't take offense to that. Now, here's what I'm suggesting. Joey's Since face. <laughs> 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 so don't take offense to that. It's what like is, it's actually mad. Is he no, mad? I'm not mad. No, he's no, no you're not. It looked like your face was actually <laughs> mad when they called you a sugar addict. I, like, I'm just saying, like, I, I, I'd say that's a, probably a pretty good description of it. Not casting stones here or trying right, to so, make So you far, defensive. I'm not offended and I don't disagree. Okay, All right, so here's what wow. I'm going to do. To make this smooth for everybody, I do believe that your brain chemistry uh, and mental illness impacts me in just ways. Don't, just don't take my soul off. It impacts me in ways that make me feel. That, that that are negative to me. So Toby and I would both identify as well, as well as maybe your family and other people that your brain problems affect us all. Yes, right. They affect the okay. world. So well, you're you this got some brain simple, problems, Mister. That I affect me. I understand. Uh, hear me out. <laughs> My proposal is this, and I mean it sincerely. This isn't just some bet or dare. I would suggest that it really. Theoretically, it's at least possible that if you went on a, a good amount of time, I'm going to say six weeks of six weeks of a carb restricted fat burning diet to change the, your metabolic switch to being primary burning fat, maybe nutritional ketosis, something like that, as if, opposed to carbs. Can you tell me? I what believe that there would be no. We'll get, no, means? listen to I me. I just want to know what ketosis means. It means when your body and liver are producing ketones that uses fuel instead of glucose. Oh, so the cis after the ketones. Okay, and it, listen to what I'm saying here. I'm saying I think it would give us. I think it would. You would notice things that you've never exper- done this experiment to. I'm, I would be really curious, and like I do believe organisms. it would improve some of your health, and I do believe it would also improve some of your mental health. Of course, longer think, orgasms. Yes, longer. Yes. But it would, it might have a fat burning. I think it would be lots of benefits to it. And I know that you will resist it and not do it. So, Toby, I genuinely mean this. I want okay. to offer you 
$300 to do it. You want to offer me $300? Yeah, six weeks, and we'll just pay for it with the podcast. I agree, I agree to that. Just no matter I was what, gonna I was going to agree care. to it beforehand. But Shit. No, I'll I'm, take the damn no, $300. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm, I will, but I want to consult with you. Right, I want you to teach you about it. I want to write your diet for you. I want to, like, help you so that you will, you know what I mean? Like, if you just, if you're not prepared and you go into it and you can't realize what you can eat, oh, you can have the, you know, I think you'll need some support and help. But if, if you'll let Toby and I, I'll even get Hayne, who came on before, and see if he could help us. All right, so. And design, actually design a diet plan for you. I, I, I promise you I'll pay you $3 just if you. Three? three. It just went down $297? $3. Oh, you don't want $3? You want, oh, you said Mr. You Big Shot. You're too good for our money? No, but I'm dead serious right now. I'll there. agree to that. But, I would love this. But you cannot, like, you can't cheat. You can't just say, oh, I messed up this weekend or whatever. Right. For six weeks, you'll have to agree to count and write down your food so that I can assess it and that you will be, you'll eat essentially uh, maybe 30 car- grams of carbohydrate a day or less for six weeks. And I'll do everything I can to make that enjoyable and good foods that you will enjoy. All right, so instead. let me make one um, philosophical stipulation, <laughs> and that is I am not doing – I'll just tell you, I'm not doing this for weight loss. I'm doing right. this for experimenting sure. chemically with we, my brain. I don't care if you just do it for three hundred dollars. I think I think you will see good benefits. From I'm just it, saying this this isn't necessarily how sure. I I, I well, have yeah, limits. I have limited my carbs before, but I've never gone six so weeks and 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 done it in a stable, good nutritional way where it'll be supported with good fats. All right, two questions. Okay. Two questions. Can we start tomorrow? And can we go to Senior Tequila tonight? Yes. Whatever you want. But I'm serious. Do you, but, I mean, do you think you can go? You can, but that means you can't be, oh, bummed out or in a hurry or just go, you know what? I do got to get frozen yogurt today. You dude, cannot do that. Dude, I'm a I'm badass when it comes to this kind of stuff. Okay. I mean, but yeah, and Toby, you're fine if I spend our funds yes. directly. No, this has to be no Emory money. This is I don't has, care what I don't This care. has to come out of Dave and Josh. Then I had to ask Dave and Josh about it. But this is Emory's fully money. on board. Now, now here's the thing too. Okay, uh, a stipulation. I, I mean, Dave like, and Josh I, don't know this, but we use Emory money to float almost all bad Christmas. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we never use one BC cent for anything. We bought. It's always in, <laughs> Josh and Dave don't realize they're the, the biggest givers to the BC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I thought you would reject this. Yeah, I did too. I'm very excited at how open you are to this idea of trying this. Now, one thing I would say. I want $100 right now for trying. I'll give you you half up front for sure. (laughs) Yeah, half up front. Uh, Could you also, though, would be really beneficial is to maybe say by week two, uh, actually document your mental yeah, like, right. I'd love to see. Yes. I will document very my mental today. thoughts. I, I thought about this. Like, yes. yeah, I would like to see real documentation of. Started thinking about William dying. It got me here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, see, not in detail, but you, yeah. you see what yeah. I'm saying? All right, I, I, like, sure. I'll, I'll be happy. I'll be, yes, I'll be happy to do that. But I will say, we've got two variables going on here. One is that my medicine is relatively effective. That's okay. It doesn't so, matter. We'll so, just take it. Take what. So the before are. I was on this new medication, we're talking. I was. I probably struggle with depression seventy percent of the time. Now yeah. I'd say it's flipped, and it's, I'm struggling thirty percent of the time. So that. I'm in good shape right now already. Well, no, yeah, but what I'm saying is maybe the 30% will even be gone or something, yeah. or maybe it'll get worse. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Just, it is. I'm just you know, curious to how it, how. It, yeah. yeah, you're right. It probably would be more effective if you were in a more depressed state to see that the results. It'd be awesome but, if you did case, it and didn't take your medicine. But I think that's probably no. You can't you can't that. change but one really variable at a time without without and get any good scientific result. That's true. Then we wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Yes. But so okay, that's great that you agree to it. But yeah, we'll we'll check in. We'll have you maybe fill out some simple stuff questionnaires, and you had to keep track of stuff. That's great. So you want me to 
just send you what I eat daily? Or I don't weekly? know. We'll figure that out. I think we should write out Joey's diet. Basically, yeah. write out a week's worth of food, sure. and then we could do another one. And we'll, well, why don't we'll, you just tell me what not to eat? Yeah, there's we'll, we'll like we'll I'm gonna be on the road this weekend, you, you so a lot. But yeah, that's true. Who's on the road this weekend? You got to be aware of it. But you, well, you can do it. Eat, you can but, set yeah. you up. But yeah, okay. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear to hear that. That's wow, a good Joey. experiment. Uh, yeah, I really thought you wouldn't be open to it. Oh yeah. Why are you? Because you said you were saying yes before you even heard about the money. So what what made you so open to this idea? Because yeah, this isn't really about weight loss. Because, I, mean, I think you will lose weight. And oh, feel you definitely better. will lose weight. I guarantee you'll lose ten or fifteen pounds minimum. Six weeks? Yeah, Joey's gonna lose shit. I don't know if you have twenty pounds to lose, but I think you could you'll lose, lose fifteen pounds. pounds no, sure. I de- I've lost I, twenty in six weeks, yeah. but I, I've definitely done limited carbs before, so I, I I'm I'm down for it. And here, and and just for discussion's sake, I've never been skeptical about the uh, decrease in carbs being good. My hesitation has always been, and and this is from ignorance, but just how can super saturated, fatty, greasy food be okay on well, a regular basis? Well, those are all basis? different terminology, but essentially think of it this way. Your proportionality of fat is really similar to a jar of peanut butter. So gotcha. if you, in a jar of peanut butter, most of the calories are from fat. Gotcha. It's not saying you're necessarily drinking bacon grease or eating steak fat kind right. of thing. But the chicken skin is is high calories, but only in a small volume. You know, a spoonful of almond butter has a ton, ton, ton of fat, but it's still just a spoonful right. versus a mountain of cabbage, which you'll also be eating. You'll be eating a mountain of cabbage with three tablespoons of olive oil and some vinegar on it. It'll be great. Okay. All right. Well, guys, I want, uh, thank you for caring about me. Or it, I know, Matt, it's not really care. It's strategy and wanting to figure something out. It's just research. <laughs> it's just information gathering. Uh, Toby, thanks for caring about me. I want you guys to hear something, uh, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on it. All right, so when he speaks, would have been nice if you had introed that instead of play yeah. it out of the blue. I, I, I don't know what it is. I've is maybe a, kind of figured. It. I'm still waiting personally to find out what the hell that was you just played. All right, so I want to play one more. What? Just please <laughs> Come on. tell us what in the Give hell us you're some doing. Background all right, context. All right, all right, so basically, someone emailed us. It's about a uh, pastor in Nashville. And uh, we love you, love brother. Nashville. And we have no problems with saying your name because we love you. And we think that these sorts of conversations should be public. But it's Tavner Smith. And uh, it's Tavner. You're saying Knoxville? Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I think it's called Vindu Church. Uh, and basically, this guy sent these two videos and said, look, this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg as far as uh, the sorts of things that this guy is saying that just sounds a little bit crazy. And I'll, and I'll say that I don't, I don't think these are taken too much out of context because I listen to, to most of them. 
But uh, let me let me let you hear one more clip, and then I want to get y'all's take on it. That's why God, it is so important, because that's why God made our earth rotate like it does, and there are different time zones. Do you know why? Because he understood that I have to be in the earth so much at all times that I have to allow it to rotate on such a level that there's always somebody awake, somebody somewhere in the world, bringing my legal authority into the earth to do something. Because if there's a period of time where everybody's asleep and nobody's praying, that's a period of time I can't move in the earth. And that would be disastrous. So I got to make sure everybody, somebody's awake somewhere to bring my presence to earth. I know Billy Bob Backwoods preacher that you grew up with didn't tell you this, but that's because he was spouting off religious theology that didn't tell him the truth because they leave pages out of the Bible. But here we don't rip it out of the Bible. We preach the truth, even if it shakes us up a little bit. Is anybody with me at any location? Say amen in this place. Man, I'm preaching. (laughs) <laughs> that's good i like that man <laughs> man i'm preaching yeah that actually is pretty good i love what, it what do y'all, what, so, hang on one second tell me the name of the church again uh it is vindu church Pastor i don't think that church. that is the name of the church though. it is i'm looking at it right now in one of the most ridiculous blasphemous I, sermons i've I'm ever pretty heard sure. preached in my entire life tavner smith <laughs> pastor of vindu church Says that God has no legal authority to Their do anything. Twitter handle and it says the venue. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, is it a Hindu thing? Is it a church? The venue is the name of the church. <laughs> uh, I actually may not have. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. so bad for Vindu Church where people are thinking <laughs> right now. Just going hard after the pastor of Vindu Church. We're cracking. Man, I'm podcasting right now. <laughs> uh, I, I may, I'm not going to circle back, but I may have not played it early enough. But he actually does say, he says that God does not have legal authority to do things on earth outside of us praying God into the situations. And that's that's why the earth tilts in certain positions because there needs to be people awake that are able to pray at all times because if there's a time when we're all sleeping, there's a time when God cannot so the, work the, in the His earth. theology thing is there is that God can only work through people he doesn't have ability to without people like yes. him yes. and stuff. But, and, and, and he would say, he would say, well, that's God's choice to do things that way. Uh-huh. I don't think he would say God's hands are tied around you know, his back, but uh, I just... I don't know. Like it, it's really crazy to me. Why? Why did he need to tell all of those people? Hey, I, I, you need to. If if you are questioning, like my position, if you're questioning my influence, if you're questioning what I'm all about, you need to know when I speak, angels pay attention. Yeah. When I speak, things happen, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I just like, I, why would somebody in that position need to try to even validate it? So. You guys mm-hmm. have always been uh like y'all Brothers, don't y'all don't, <laughs> y'all don't want to give people the benefit of the doubt and stuff. Right. And so I would listen to this and it definitely like a, a year and a half, two years ago, I'd be like, Oh, there's no way he is is really trying to do that. But now I, I guess I would lean in y'all's direction and be like, I mean, is 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 he really approaching this from a I I want to have an improper 
influence over these people for selfish gain? Like, I mean, that's not. Or you would just say he's theologically flawed. Well, I, I think things like that get real blurry for the people in his position. I, I maintain that power and evil typically operate in a way that is kind of larger than the people that play into them. Right. Like it's it, power is, is more power is, is like kind of like this entity that will be filled up by whatever agents assume it. Yeah. And how much con- the more concentration of it, the worse it is. And the more amount consolidation of power one person can have, that they have more ability to, that they're almost like a vehicle of the power in some way. So in a way that almost lets somebody off the hook. Like I'm not saying this guy goes, you know what? I'm going to come up with an evil plan to right. gain power and get money, and I don't give a shit what happens. That does that is not what I think. How these things get there? I think right. you go, oh, I did this. I got this response from this, and then you take some power, and then you observe some power, and then you push that further. And then, unfortunately, given the nature of the way people are, respond to that even more, and it bolsters itself, and these these things kind of grow. Yeah. But that, that I mean, so. But I guess I would say. They grow in, quickly out of hand. Yeah, in, in I guess cases. I would say in his defense, Paul said similar type things. And so, but, but people that would say. you imagine well, Paul sounded like when he preached? No, no. But I think people would say, yeah, but Paul, he was writing infallible, inerrant word of God, breathed by the Holy Spirit. But people that are not inerrant would have to say, well, what if this guy is preaching on the same sort of authority as Paul? I mean, he's he's basically saying, hey, I've been given authority. We see Paul saying the same sorts of things. I mean, what, don't we think that this is, goes back to just what we were talking about uh, on the last podcast with Nick? Just, I mean, you should be able to say this. Guy, what in the hell is he talking about? Like, what? I mean, what in the world? It, it's just a show that what we just listened to was a funny show that was very entertaining. Yep, probably be number one on Fox or something like that. that yeah, that's, that part's cool. But what he's teaching me about the Bible seems very bizarre, and the way he's saying it, it seems very like he's calling out backwoods pastors for about scientific stuff, where he's talking about the reason why the Earth tilts is about sleeping. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> That ain't true. That is not true. The earth didn't tilt because God didn't want people to sleep. Right. And he knocked theology, but he's talking theology. Right. I mean, Whether it's right or I mean, wrong. Okay. Well, about, he's just let, telling let people. Just, let me just set, throw this out there. At what happened when Adam and Eve slipped? If they were the only two people on earth, all, I guess that's why they everybody went to hell. And, God or, said, this is not I good. Mean, I mean, Adam was the first man, and he yeah. went to sleep, and God went, oh, crap. I know. I know. God, <laughs> God, please wake up. I mean, God's out in some weird realm, space realm, going, uh, Adam, wake up, wake up, wake up. I can't do anything. No. Yeah. That's silliness. Yeah. It's foolishness. And it's putting a lot of weight on his word. And Even if that what he's saying is true, and angels listen, and all of a sudden, he just knows his authority, and he's not any different than you. He just recognizes his authority. No, that's all whatever. All right. All right. I hope angels don't listen to me. <laughs> I know. Good well, God. The government already does. The, uh, I don't want angels to. I mean, this probably comes across as just like somebody. I mean, we've, we've reached a time when, like, okay, you notice how a lot of businesses kind of are similar. So there'll yeah. be this style of business, and there'll be a bunch of businesses that now it's an easy startup culture, but a lot of businesses come along and try to do the same thing. Like, that, that's more with the information that we're able to share these days and data, it's really easy to copy business and there's whole blogs and whole industries built off like business tips secrets of this and that you know that's just this whole culture we have of of stuff and it's all based on information sharing so you know churches always follows business culture and the stuff maybe a little bit behind but this is the first time when you can look at the successful 
and maybe legitimate churches out there that have scaled yeah. in business language and done these highly effective techniques. And as we've seen the uh, pastor be CEO and successful CEO pastor, many good men, well-meaning, whatever, along with it comes power and knowledge and ability for others to take the techniques of these successful people and simply apply them. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't know anything about this guy or whatever, but that is we we do now live in a time where somebody can do data analysis on what works and then program as such. It's not as easy as it used to be. Right. To 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 do that, it just takes really good execution and telling people clearly something they want to hear or gets them fired up. On top of this, 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 and this, there's studies. There's books about it. We've been writing books for a decade now about effective church techniques. This yeah. is one of the, this is one of the consequences of it. Yeah. And uh, like, there's one thing this the guy that sent this message said one funny thing I think is pretty clever and shrewd business wise. Says they take these sermons to um, nursing homes and old folks homes and put them on USB drives and, and give them to them so they can watch them and thus are and all their numbers and reports to count all the people at the old folks' <laughs> home as member as the tenders. That's what this church does. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Good. Yeah, very good. Smart. If your goal is, I mean, very good. So. And if anybody else wants to do that, I'm sharing the information with you. You can go clean up. All right. That, well, that's just a fact. You can well, you can do that. Let me let me throw one you theory. Do it better than the other churches in Chattanooga. Let me throw one theory out to you about um What's up, Ike? Ike, you want to be on the podcast? I got a question. Ike. Uh minion band aid. Yeah, but why do you have them? That because it's a I call it a, a, a wheel a piggy bean. Oh, cool. Hey, who's who's is is your mom a better mom than your dad's a dad, or is your dad a better dad than your mom's a mom? A better dad. Oh, yeah? Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah mommy's no good, is she? No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, you better not say that. You better say how much you love your mommy. I love my money this many. Your money? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you guys need to get out of here. It's too cold out here. All right. So uh, I want to throw one thing out to you. This guy, he's obviously a church planter. He planted this church. And I have been to uh, church planting sorts of gatherings, and I have been told that if if I'm a church planter, then I'm the rock star of church culture. Like I've been right. told those specific yeah, words. Another, another thing. You are the rock stars right. of church culture. So those guys like this are already being set up to be in this fictitious, uh, just bizarre position of oh, I'm I'm the cream of the crop. Like when it, like sure. I've been given this crazy responsibility because yep. if God's calling me to plant this church, that's the rock star position. It's also, and we got to move on here because we got a guess we got to get to. But I'll just say it reminds me also of the Michael Keaton movie, The Multiplicity. Do you know the movie? Yeah. So it's a uh, he makes a clone of himself is when the clone was a buzz thing in the early right. 90s. Yeah. So he makes a clone of himself to get more work done. Then he makes another clone of himself to get more work done. Then eventually the cl- the clone of the clone of the clone is just like really goofy and messed up and yeah. whatever. And that's that's you see that with any culture that's made, created and then uh indiscriminately or blindly replicated. Right. Like the further iterations of it. Like there was something about speaking with power and authority that 
makes sense and is good and whatever. And then that, oh, we take that, but we don't even understand the culture which, which it was formed out of in this context. And then we now we're repeating it and refining it and repeating it and refining it for what we think are the good affects of it. And then, again, just another outcome. So you're going to have the most aggressive people that think they're the most rock star that are most interested in the authority, be attracted to, and then yeah, make it through right. the farm system and work and get more speaking time at the conferences. Right. It's just the way it goes. Well, I want to say something too. It is just a show. That's not how right. you talk in real life. It's just the pump up thing just to get you. That's, the, that's what they would do at the Super Bowl or something. They'd all, everybody gets around and yells and hoots and hollers. Right. That's not how you talk in real life. So that is, it is just a show. It's headed off a cliff. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's supposed to be God, the gospel being spoken to the bride. But if I went, if I woke up tomorrow morning and went, Jess, I'm going to go brush my teeth. They're going to get white. Then I'm going to eat some egg. I'm just going to fill my belly. And then guess what? I'm going to talk to Joey. We're going to go to work. Joey. I'm going to get the worship team together tonight. We're going to practice. <laughs> <laughs> if I did that, you everybody would be really good at it, man. But I would be crazy. Are you sure you're not interested in doing that? We could clean <laughs> up. My pawpaw preached like that a lot. Not, let not let crazy, me do the no. biz dev for the church, and you do that. just do that. So I'll, you want to be executive pastor. Oh, yeah, I'll clean it up. I'll be. Uh, yeah, you're I'll, the show. We will clean it up. Joe, you can do counseling or something. All right. <laughs> We're going to take a break here. We're going to have Mike Lewis. Um, probably a, a, another yet another jaded band dude with opinions about Christianity right when we get back. When my mom passed away uh, a couple of years ago, I just I knew that I needed to figure out a way to kind of like figure out what that meant. Um, I think I, like I'm kind of a person that tends to um, avoid uh, bad emotions. Like I'll just kind of, I'll kind of just dive into something else and, and avoid it. And before she passed away, she told me like, Hey, you know, you need to, you need to lean into this, into the like kind of sadness, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I just on a whim decided that I was going to like, I kind of just like woke up one day and I was like, I'm just going to walk to San Francisco. I live like on the, I live on the beach, uh, in San Diego. It sounds so like far as gum. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it was a little bit Forrest Gump. I was like, I, I remember that moment when, like, uh, in Forrest Gump, when he's like running down that, and then he just stops and decides to go home. Yes, I went to it's the like, end of the mailbox and I went to the end of town. I think I'll go like, home now. I decided, exactly. That was that was actually the my, totally my experience with finishing the thing. I was like, I, I walked like you know however, however long it ended up being like six hundred miles or something. And, wow. And uh, and I got to the I got to the Golden Gate Bridge in in San Francisco, and I didn't really know what to do. You know, I've been I've been thinking about this moment for like a month and. And I got there, and uh, I remember I, I like I looked around, and I just needed to tell somebody. I needed to like tell somebody what I, what I just did. That was Can't Come Home Again from Tyson Motzenbacher. He has a new record coming out on March 4th called Letters to Lost Loves. You can pre-order it now on iTunes and also at toothandnail.merchline.com. Toby, Joey, did y'all see that website that my ass built for the Emory Acoustic Shows? It was good, man. it. It was good, and I heard how you did it. It helped me make a lot of money. 
Yes, yes, it's going really well. We're doing a bunch of commerce on a website that I built, as in I didn't have to pay a designer hundreds of dollars to make it. Not to mention that I've paid designers thousands of dollars, developers and designers before, just to make websites, just to do simple, simple things. And, and it takes though, a while. And they don't even, yeah, they take forever and they don't turn out good a lot of times. This site, I built it. Anybody wants to go look at it, go to emoryacoustic.com. I built it on Weebly. So Weebly was created for people like me, you know, that have the courage and the tenacity to start their own business and just, you know, dream to be my own boss. That's that's who Weebly's for. But also you didn't really have any skills. <laughs> yeah, I know, and you don't have any skills. Exactly. So, I mean, you don't have to be a web designer. You don't have to know how to code to build a seriously a beautiful website. But they do blog, online stores. Uh, I mean, it's super, I, I'm very impressed with how easy it was and how good quality is. And everything I did in, over there was drag and drop. Yeah. And you're so. showing me too, just the, there's so many different ways of, of designing stuff and it looks mm-hmm. super professional. I mean, it really is a pretty awesome and, thing and, for those and of you. That, very mobile friendly. Oh and yeah. You can yeah. just customize everything. You truly yeah. can customize and update and change your site anytime you want on yeah. any device. Yeah. That's so really Weebly's cool. awesome. There's a lot of you out there and you seriously are just like, I know I need a website, but it's just too hard. No, not anymore. That's right. Yep. So join over 30 million people who are already dreaming big with Weebly. Get started today for free at Weebly.com slash bad Christian. That's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com slash bad Christian. Weebly.com slash bad Christian. Go there now. Build your sites. Get rich. Mike, I already introduced you as yet another jaded former musician with gripes about the church. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Bill called me uh, asshole for Jesus, so I guess that's fine. <laughs> so asshole for Jesus was, and that's Billy that edits our podcast and has his podcast, Urban Achiever. Um, what does Billy mean by that? Well, he said it's self-professed, so I guess I guess I said that at some point. I don't know. Uh-huh. I guess it just means that I love Jesus, but I'm but I'm not your typical, you know, happy-go-lucky Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as far as your music career... Um, just to catch people up with it. Yeah, can I can I sing I'm Your Number One Fan to you, that song that you wrote? Can I sing it? Would that be awkward if I sing it to you? I mean, if you have to. If, I mean. <laughs> You're not joking, though, are you, Joey? No, I'm I'm getting ready. Did you, right. well, why, why don't you do, do the introduction and explain to people who Mike is and what oh, his resume is? Will that make you happy? A pleasure. Take your time. Yeah. Take your, Mike, a pleasure. sit back. Go back in time. Joey gets to go back in time. So Tooth and Nail started back in 1993 with an initial release of Wish for Eden. And uh, later on down the road, I would say within two years, my guess would be within a year and a half, Sugarless came out. Sugarless was put out by a band called Puller, a very kick-ass band. And here's what just was earth-shattering is that Puller, the front man, Mike Lewis, uh-huh. was from a secular band for oh Love Not Lisa. Uh-huh. So it was just like, well, no, it had a song on the Crow soundtrack that I, oh my gosh, which they, is I knew for a long, you know, had I that, knew forever. that forever, yeah. but I didn't even think about it. And for Love Not Lisa toured with all the cool bands, the big bands. Uh, name some of the bands, Mike Lewis. Well, basically, if you know, we used to say that. Uh, in order to become famous, you had to tour with us because uh, <laughs> because all the bands we played with became really big, and of course we were not very successful. So, um, but you know, seriously, seriously, appease us. I want top three bands you uh, played shows with. 
I mean, we played with just about every 90s band, but I, I, as far as bands that I liked playing with, um, we did uh, a run of dates with uh, Rage Against the Machine on their first record. Awesome. Um, going up uh, to Seattle, and that was awesome. Uh, that was They were really great, and so that was an awesome tour. Um, who, who knew, like, seriously, maybe four months later, they just blew up. Good yeah, God. gosh, four months later, that's insane. And so they they weren't with the so the shows weren't that huge or that big or that nobody knew them that much. No, no one who they uh, knew who they were, and that's what I mean. Like if you wanted to become big, you just had to play with us because um, <laughs> because we were always like that band that you played with, and then later they just blew up. Was it really incredible? Like were they incredibly powerful and good, or was it only after they had the audience response that they? got into that. i mean did, no. did they just sound like a weird band at the time no they were awesome and they didn't care um who was in the room you know if there's five people or five thousand they they brought they brought the rock that's awesome did, so did you guys think like especially since bands toured with you and then they went on to get way bigger did you think oh, okay we're getting ready to hit then look all these bands we're touring we're we, i mean obviously we're out with them so we're next yeah no we thought that all the time i mean every uh um, we did some dates with Silverchair um, right as we were breaking up, and um, there was there's definitely a conversation about maybe we should just hold on just a little bit longer. Yeah, but yeah, no. And our label thought we were going to be really big. Um, jokes on them. <laughs> <laughs> there's still time, right? Yeah, well, I'm sure, sure. I'm sure a lot of people that have followed Emory has heard this story before. But in 1999, February to be exact. Uh, me and Toby's band, Joe 747, and Matt was in the band at, the, at that time, as well as Devin Shelton. Uh, we just thought we had almost arrived in some way, shape, or form because there were these two girls in Charleston that were putting on shows. And I saw that Puller was coming into town, which is uh, Mike Lewis's band on Tooth & Nail Records. And I was like, man, this is our chance. So I called those girls up and said, hey, can we open up for Puller? She responded, we can't mm -hmm. pay you. We were like, Hey, why would we need to get paid? This yeah. is our break. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get paid. Believe Don't you me. We'll be in good shape. And uh, I swear to you, that was one of the coolest live experiences we had ever seen. Picture this. You're, we're driving down there to go play the show and open for Puller. Right, in your right. brain, what did you envision that would be? Would be Crowd, venue, and all that. Yeah, I thought this is like, it. I mean, they're a signed band. Yeah. They're they're huge. I mean, we're mm -hmm. nothing. This is going to be unbelievable. Like from your from my mem memory, my vision would my anticipation would have been well. I I don't know how many people, how many hundreds, but it'll just be like all these people. I don't. Hopefully, they'll like us. I don't right. know, but I mean, it's going to be so many people out there. Will they boo? Will they pay attention? That's going to be how are we going to deal with a big crowd? All right, would have been the way to think of it. Mike, do you remember the show? Uh, I think so. Wasn't that like a really weird? Ten building that had like ramps and stuff in it. Yes, yeah, yes. it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's called PS one fifty or something. Yeah, yep. something like yep. that. How many people do you think were there? If it was in our heyday, then there had to have been at least forty five people there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and but hold on, that literally that show and and I've told you this before. You I, you probably don't remember because you're the Mike Lewis, but <laughs> that show, your stage presence just amazing. changed really my life. I am not kidding. I mean, the other guys were good and all that stuff, but I, I and, and I mean, I feel dumb saying that because the lead singer is, you know, the central part and I wish I would have thought more about the whole band, but I just thought your stage presence was just so amazing. Like you were just gyrating all over the place. You're playing your guitar, just great, but almost too sloppy. 
but it was still great. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't just what I had heard. It you know I hadn't been to that many shows in my life, and whenever I had, it, it was, was always it was reckless. Exactly, that's a it great. Was, word. It looked reckless. Yes, yeah. and it, and it was all held together, and mm-hmm. I thought it was just so amazing. I was completely captivated. Like I I didn't walk away. I wasn't uninterested. I was so present in the moment. And from that, I was like, oh. And to a small crowd made right. it even crazier. And, yeah, and, and in that moment, I realized, hey, it doesn't matter. You you put on a hell of a show, and that's a part of it. Like, that's yeah. the first time I really realized, wait yeah. a minute, it's not just playing your song. Like, these guys are putting on a show, and it's awesome. This is seriously amazing. Yeah. And that literally, from that point, changed me. Because when we, when we played, we didn't move. I was super nervous, to, you sure. know, just trying to play the, the notes as good as I possibly could yeah. because I thought that's what mattered. And obviously, playing well matters, but that yeah, that reckless idea of just being like that on stage changed who I am as a musician. Yeah, the and trajectory a of our band sure. entirely. Yeah, I mean, I copied. I, you were playing without an E string, and you had it, it removed from the you know had the whole tuner and everything saddle oh, everything. Yeah. I did I did the same thing. I was like, I don't play the E string either. I took yeah. my <laughs> E string off and did all this sure. stuff like that. That was the phase. Was, that's what it is. Your local band, you just copy the, what you see. You don't realize that you're literally just copying one other person. That's very obvious. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you guys to say thank you. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is whenever you're playing, you know, to nobody on tours, you know, there's always this thought in your head. And our philosophy back then was always like, we don't care who's there. We're going to, you know, we're going to bring it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you do hope at some point that you will be playing to people. Um, so, you know, in full, in full disclosure, um, you know, towards the end, maybe we didn't bring it quite as much. (laughs) Hey, you guys would all, you guys would all get a kick out of this. I remember so clearly in the parking lot and, you know, I'm starstruck like, oh, these are the guys from Puller and the, the drummer was out in the parking lot and I was talking to him and I'll never forget. He said something about somebody being a smart ass or something. And my immediate thought was, I guess the drummer's not a Christian. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> he nice. said smart ass oh he yeah, said yeah. the ass word he said there were tons tons of people did stuff like that <laughs> nice how, how did you uh so for love Lot, not lisa not i mean I, I don't know if you thought of as a secular band or just a band or whatever and then to go was the intent did you just like tooth and nail or like starting puller and, and doing puller and then signing with tooth and nail which is a christian label if you will at least most people associate that with it what made you go that route instead of staying in the secular world, if you will? Well, I was a I was a church kid, so I grew up on you know on on Christian rock and punk rock. But um, so by the time that Philomena Lisa, we were looking for on our second album, we were looking for a producer, and I had listened to that Wish for Eden album. Stopped into some you know random Christian bookstore on the road because I was always the guy that still kind of did that. Yeah. Um, there was only one other uh, guy in, in Philemon at Lisa that was a Christian. Um, so most of the other guys just didn't understand when I was going into the weird, you know, the weird, <laughs> uh, yeah, into Mardell's to go look at, Hey, <laughs> I wonder what's happening over in the Christian world. Um, but uh, yeah, I got that wish for Eden record and I thought I, I really loved the way it sounded. And so I was actually presenting that to the band as, Hey, let's get this guy to do our second album. Um, we actually ended up getting uh, uh, the guy who did the quicksand um, uh, slip record, which I'm really glad that we did um, work with him with Stephen Hagler. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got turned on to Tooth and Nail. And I sent basically, I just sent Brandon a care package of 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 stuff that we had done, and just said, "Hey, I'm looking." I knew the band was ending, and I was just looking for kind of the next step. And I thought, "Hey, I know what? I'm a Christian kid." 
I'm going to go to that market because it's going to be super supportive and, you know, everything's, you know, this is, this is the missing element. Right. Is that true? Uh, it, it was probably a bigger disaster than, <laughs> than the first, than the first. Point. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge mistake. And, 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 <laughs> and it probably soured me a great deal, you know, touring all these, uh, churches and, yeah, uh, with, sure. with Dave Zaker and and everybody, and and we did have guys in the band that weren't Christians. So um, I, I've said as many times as I possibly can that I owe them a, a massive apology for subjecting them to the nonsense of the Christian, the Christian youth group kid. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So you guys did Puller for uh, how many years, and then you just what what. what was it that made you go, I'm not going to do being a touring band anymore. You just, you were just gave up the dream. Well, yeah, I was, um, the band was kind of on its last leg and we did the third record and we were basically in the same spot we'd always been. And, um, so I think, uh, no one was feeling it kind of thing and we were on tour. And so, uh, we did cornerstone that year and we were going to end our tour in california and we just kind of decided hey this last show is is the last show and uh i basically just kind of walked away from music to be honest with you um right after that show packed up my guitar uh put it away um i pulled it out of storage like 10 years later and it still had you know sweat you know that smell from the club and you know it was all the strings are rusty and everything so i mean i literally put up my guitar and and walked away from music what'd you do for a career right after that eventually i know the next thing that you were doing was working at zambui uh and that would have been 2004 or 5 what what was it between that well i was doing lots of odd things like working um i worked for a startup label and um just uh just kind of wandered around trying to figure out mm-hmm. what we were going to do and I worked for an internet company back in the back in the internet boom. And uh, when that went out of business, um, I just kind of decided, hey, I'm not. Um, and when they closed down the label, uh, I talked Bruce Bruce Fitzhugh from Living Sacrifice to move his mm-hmm. family to Nashville and and come work for this label. And so when our paychecks started bouncing, that's when we started Zambui together. And I was just kind of like, I'm done with millionaires practicing, you know how to play, yeah. play in the music business. Well, so now you've got, you're still doing, you know, music business. The thing that you do now is your company's called Go Big Win. Go Big Win does uh, all the fulfillment for our stuff. So if you buy anything from Emory or Bad Christian or in the BC Club, anything that you receive in the mail from us comes directly out of Mike's uh, warehouse and companies called Go Big Win. They do a bunch of good stuff, which thank you, by the way, for doing that. I'm glad we can work with you. Yeah, again, um, and also, you've gotten into podcasting. It seems I have, yeah. You know, do you think it's like the new thing of indie? Like it's like the new indie band pioneer thing to do? Is it, it's got something in common? Well, I was like, if uh, those Emory guys can do it, and if Billy, <laughs> Billy Power can do it, and if Mark Solomon can do it, um, any asshole can do it. So I'll just um, I'll start doing it too. Well, here's what I want to talk about. Give so your podcast is called Giving Is Believing, and uh, that's giving is giving is believing dot com, but uh, we just had on recently, last week, two weeks ago, I don't know what it was, a lady named Jamie. What was Jamie's last name? Uh, Wright. Jamie Wright. Sure. And her um blog and platform is called The Very Worst Missionary. And so what we discussed there was some of the stuff that's kind of messed up about 
uh, missionary organizations and how sometimes it's not helpful or totally it's about vanity or it misses the point. Uh, and that she was in the missions field and everything. And you may not be familiar with it, but she had, it was really interesting to hear her point of view about um, some of the negative stuff that you wouldn't think about, about missionaries and mission stuff or whatever. Now, also, you, like I said, like as I identified and you identify as an asshole for Jesus, um, ironically, you seem to be completely into and motivated by giving missions, Haiti, and stuff like that. So I'm wondering where, where do you weigh in on that? Uh, yeah, what your, do you think about the missionary position? Yeah, what's your thought? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's the most typical, I guess. So, right. <laughs> but it, it gets the job done, apparently. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but you, but you, but you're into your whole podcast is about giving. You're very into that stuff, and yet you don't strike me as the, at all the typical missionary or person into missions. So help us out. Yeah. Well, uh, a a quick story. I got into mission work because my wife. Um, when we moved to Nashville, she wanted to meet people. So she started volunteering for this, uh, this kid, this little girl named Ellie started, uh, Ellie's run for Africa here. So she started working with them just to meet, just to meet people. And, um, they were taking a trip over to Kenya to see the school that they helped support. And so I was basically not going to let my wife go to what, what my a uh, funny picture of what Africa was of like, you know, guys in, in uh, Jeeps with machine guns, um, uh, which is funny because Kenya is, is not really like that. But, um, but I, I was really, I was really against mission work and I've always been um, any time I've been in a church that started talking about Africa or Haiti uh-huh. or any kind of thing, I, I would make us leave and walk out. And, um, I've always had that mindset of, you know, we have enough problems here. Uh, we don't need to go to other countries and, you know, do anything. Meanwhile, I was not doing jack shit. Um, yeah. so <laughs> that's normally what people, uh, that's normally the truth when people are saying, you know, we have so many problems here that also, um, is IE for they're not doing anything. Um, so when I went, uh, to Africa, basically God just full, full handed bitch slapped me and, kind of just turned me around to say, Hey, the whole purpose of being a Christian is to be serving and giving to people and, um, and feeding the poor and, and fighting poverty. So, um, I instantly literally in, in one trip instantly changed my whole, uh, life, uh, trajectory and what I care about. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, just a quick, that was just, you know, kind of a quick, you know, rundown that got me to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there a lot of nonsense with mission work? Of course. Anytime. Yeah. That's what I want to know. I mean, I, I'm not criticizing you or saying she was either. I'm just curious from your point of view as a pro missions guy, how do you sort out what and how can we be informed on what is junk? Well, let's be, you know, let's be clear. Christians are idiots. So, it, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's so, it, it, so anytime you give them money, resources, and uh, enough, enough time, they're, they're going to mess stuff up. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Definitely. so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I know that short-term missions gets a lot of negativity because it's about, you know, Hey, it's, you know, let's send some white kids over to a country, yep. a country of black people for one week to, serve. But, um, I think short-term missions uh, is really important because, uh, people have to figure out how to step outside of, uh, you know, their comfort zone and just to realize that there's a whole world out, outside of the freedom, 
um, that we live in in, in 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 America. Because as you travel the world, you start to see that you know the American life is not really uh, reality to the rest of the world. Now, how would you feel though with the uh, I guess the opposing position of yeah, but all that money that you're raising to send people over there, would you say, ah, it's money well worth it for that broadening of perspective? Uh, yeah. Cause I've, I, I, so I bug people about going with me. So, um, expect, expect an email from me personally after the show's yeah. over. Um, but yeah, yeah no, I bug- S- send mine to Joey, please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mark Solomon already warned me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I bug, I, I mean, I bug everybody. I mean, part of it is that I've also kind of turned into kind of an ad- advocate for it. Um, but yeah, I've had lots of people say, Hey, can I just give you the $2,000 or whatever that it's going to cost me to go on this trip and that'll do more good. And, um, I always say, you know, my answer to that is no, it's, it's, you know, once you smell it, so I can show you all of my pictures and I can say, Hey, go to my website and look, look at my Facebook and my Instagram. And you can say, Oh man, that is terrible, uh, level of poverty. But until you touch it, and until you walk through it and until you smell it, you just don't have any concept of, of what that is. And, you know, like one thing that I felt when I was, uh, when I'm in those conditions, I feel like, you know what, this is, this is where Jesus walks is, is in this kind of place. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that Jesus is walking down main street of Franklin, Tennessee, you know, like that's, Uh that's where he would spend his time. So, um, I think going is is super important because it does something to your soul and it kind of wakes you up. And I think for me, I was sleepwalking through life until uh, this opened my eyes and uh, I I got realigned to what's, you know, is God's heart. And God's heart is for us to take care of the poor. So what is the like the goal of missions? Is it to to make it more like America so it's better? Like like when you say helping the poor stuff, like, like what is the goal? Like when you go to another country. What is your goal? Obviously, like maybe you do want them to know about Jesus or you do want them to have fresh water and stuff. But I mean, is there like an actual end goal in mind when you go to these places? Well, uh, you know, I mean, every missionary um, will say that it's about spreading the gospel of Jesus, which, um, you know, I agree. I'm a pretty bad Christian in that that's, you know, my goal is not spreading the word of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a really bad job uh, with that part. Um you know, my goal, you know, that's not why I'm a Christian is so I can spread the word of Jesus. Um, I think it's hard to be talking to someone about, you know, uh, the love of Christ while they're starving to death or, um, you know, they don't have clean, clean water. Yeah. So I think all of these different organizations, they all do different things. And there's emergency level. Uh, when I was going to Haiti during the earthquake, you say, hey, the most important thing right now is for us to feed people that are starving to death. Um, but at some point that emergency subsides and, and, and you have to put in processes to let's get them um, an education. Let's, you know, let's start all these different programs that kind of pulls them out of poverty because um, the goal is not to make it like America. I mean, the goal is to give people a chance to um, uh, an opportunity to be brought out of poverty. I say it's a war on poverty because I hate it when I'm around it. I think this is, you know, it's a horrible way for a a three-year-old little girl to grow up in conditions like that. And the thing is, is that we can do something about it and it's on our watch. So I think that's, you know, 
that's the main goal. And then obviously the final goal is, um, you know, the best way that I can show somebody about uh, Jesus and about his love is to love people and to show grace and mercy. And I can only do that by being there and being around them and starting relationships. Um, I can't do it from afar, just sending in, you know, my donation. Interesting. Fascinating. In fact, well, it's, I guess to me it's scary because I just never want to leave America. And that's just me being honest. Like I don't, like when I, I love the idea of you going there and doing do good and all that stuff. Like me going to another country seems scary. I don't want to do it. I have no interest in it. I, I don't want people to be in poverty. And at the same time, I like, like for me, I go, I, I think that my neighbor is the person I should also maybe be focusing on. So you're saying that without going there, I, I'm just staying here in this, or you were the same way and just going there actually did change you. Like, Actually, having to, you would have never changed either if you didn't go. Yeah, no, I would. I I would still be pursuing everything that I was pursuing if I hadn't stepped out and gone and was faced with it. The thing is, you know, like when we start talking about challenges and about, um, you know, because uh, you, you know, Christians speak a lot about trials and tribulations, but we mm-hmm. we have no idea what any trial yeah. or tribulation is. Whenever you're around people who say the Lord's Prayer and they're praying for, you know, give us our daily bread. When they're actually praying that um, and believing that, we just have no concept because um, I have a plan B, I've got a credit card, you know, there's warehouses of food within walking distance from my house. So I don't think that necessarily that we understand what any of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff means. How does all that color your perspective on just American society in general? Because on one hand, I hear you say that it's about going and the money is not, the, the main thing uh, you strike me as having a uh, somewhat of a mistrust or or are not amused with American consumerism or re- I've seen it on your Facebook I've seen you say first of all are you like one of those Bernie Sa- Sanders people or what <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you're you're anti uh, American rich people then or no 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 i'm i i I mean i'm a capitalist so Mm -hmm. i'm a business owner and i believe Uh i believe in the power of of business and uh accumulating wealth but i i believe that we're also supposed to be giving our money away and we're supposed you know the whole point of us being a christian is that if you're not giving then you have completely missed the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And well, I saw something on your on your Facebook one time, which I really liked the point of view. It was something like anybody who is something and has this Porsche, ninety thousand dollar car, something, uh, you know, like that's messed up. Given this fact and this, I, I'm, not, I'm misquoting your Facebook. And then I, I was very disappointed to people, you know, coming back and trying to disagree with you on your Facebook because I don't. I don't take it as literally the make Porsche or the X dollar amount. It was the point of the statements you're making there. And I can't stand it when people come back with the argument and go, yeah, but I know somebody that has a Porsche and he gives a lot or whatever. That like kind of like completely undermines what you were trying to say about that. But Or, or do you really think there shouldn't be people that have Porsches that are Christians? Matt, I love, I love that you brought up that post because that's – um, the most in trouble I've gotten from my wife <laughs> and from other people. It's like from your wife. Yeah, I, I, I never. I mean, she tells me all the time. It's like, Mike, you have to stop posting stuff like that. And I'm no, always like, No, no, you have to post stuff like. And that. And I'm like, you know, trust me. You know, Tiffany Paul pissed off a lot of people because he was pretty. You know, you know, uh, 
he was pretty hardline about a lot of stuff. And, you know, sometimes you got to say stuff that people don't like. But yeah, Matt doesn't care about your marriage. Keep posting. <laughs> yep, keep on going. <laughs> but, there are more important things. What I love, uh, you know, I didn't realize how passionate people were about Porsches. So that's <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, that's number one. But no, you know, my statement was is that I think that, so there's only one reason to own a Porsche. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you don't drive that around. Um, because you're, you know, humble and meek and, you know, I mean, I mean, you're driving a car like that because you want people to look at you. You want, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to be cool. Right. And that's, you know, a $120,000 vehicle. And there's just no point in having that vehicle. And um, so I think, you know, part of my point was just to say that I see a lot of Porsches pulling up to church buildings, uh, you know, mega churches. And I just don't feel that the uh, accumulation of wealth is really making it out in, you know, to where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And I don't want, you know, I want to be clear. It's not just about mission work or going to Haiti or going to Africa. Um, three years ago. Uh, I, so when I sold uh, Bruce and I sold Zambui to another company in town, and then I was eventually kicked out of the company. So I had to start, um, uh, a new business, which is Go Big Win. And when I started this new business, um, Tiffany, uh, my wife and I decided that we were going to live a life of um, just say yes to whatever it is, that we were just going to say yes. So if it was um, homeless guy on the street asked me for a dollar, I have to give him a dollar. Mm-hmm. If uh, the Girl Scouts come to my door, I have to buy cookies, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so that whole thing is, um, it's been real challenging to us, but it's also been really, uh, empowering and watching how God uses that and how God works through that. And, uh, I mean, we've been really blessed to not have to say no so far. And of course, someone's going to email me right now and say, Hey, can I have $50,000? And I'm going to say no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to wait. Hey man, can I have 50? That's good. <laughs> That's good. I, yeah. I really, really disrespect the argument that says, yeah, but a lot of rich people are also generous. That's, that's really not the point of the statement is, is kind of where I'm getting out of that. Like, I'm not saying that every rich person is not a generous person. But that that's really beside the point of, of, like you said, you don't have to judge any individual to look at a, a giant church with the tons of nice cars and say exactly what you said. I don't think the wealth is getting where it's supposed to go in general. I'm not judging him. I'm not judging him. But I, I, I totally agree with that. Well, I The can't, point that you're making when you communicate that way and for people to, in my opinion, troll and say, well, you can't say that is just such an idiot thing to respond with, in my opinion. Well, and, and you know, a lot of people who say, hey, I know this guy, he drives a Porsche, he gives a lot right. of money away to the church or, or, or he gives a lot of right. money away. And, you know, kind of my thing about that is like, yes, but is that proportionate to how much he makes? What? And it's still one person, though. Meanwhile, you're you're making a point to tons of people about generosity, <laughs> and true. to say that well, I, there is a generous person. Okay, never mind. Disregard everybody. Carry on like you were. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have opened my mouth. Is what is the only thing you can say to that kind. It just drives me crazy, person. Well, also, yeah, and, every, and everybody's saying, "Hey, do you know how much money Mike made off a of puller?" Kind of hypocrite is that? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's easy. But you think there's an absolute? It's like over one hundred thousand dollars a year is not acceptable in your view or you know what I mean are there absolutes to it in your opinion well I can't 
I can't speak to like here here is is the formula. I think it's more about a spirit of giving within within you. Mm-hmm. Um I can't say, "Hey, show me some receipts, Matt, on, you know, show me in your budget how much that you're giving and let me judge mm-hmm. you on that." I think it's more about like are you being used? Are you in a position for God to use you? Because if you're not giving and if you're not serving, you're not in a position to be used by God. And so, is there any excuse for a pastor to make over a half million a year? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> you know, and Toby, I don't want to start stepping in, in uh, you know, stepping on your. Uh, yeah, Toby makes a lot on your Sunday yeah. on your Sunday shoes, but I'm also not necessarily sure that you know staff members should be getting paid. And I and I have lots of people that I love and and have relationships with that all have jobs in the church. And so I know, I know what I'm saying is, uh, you know, you know, my friend might tap me on my shoulder and say, Hey bro, you know, keep your mouth shut. But you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know that the amount of money we are, we are accumulating in mega churches, um, and having that trickle down to jobs and, you know, is all that actually being used for, you know, uh, to give and to serve, uh, you know, the world or people or whatever. And, and I'm not sure that it is. Let me Hey, throw- hey Mike, honestly, I I'm with you. I feel the same way about people who do merch fulfillment. I just don't think they should get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Not, not a legitimate career. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, seriously, that hurts me. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I, I wrestle with the fact. And I mean, Joey is the pa- the campus pastor of our church. I'm the worship leader and small group director. Uh, Joey only has one job. I have a million, but anyway, <laughs> Uh, I wrestle with the fact that people's ties that they are giving to the Lord for whatever reason ends up helping my family to survive. Now, for example, but I mean, I wouldn't make it without that money and I'm not getting paid unbelievable amount of money, but for sure I'm getting more than all the people you see in the poverty area and stuff like that. But I agree. I wrestle with the idea of should that be the case and what they have. And uh, then I would say, Here's where I'm at with church getting paid. I used to say, no, you shouldn't get paid. And now I've changed my mind. And not because I work at a church. I actually am thinking maybe at some point I, I won't, I need to find a different career or something. But I do think there is some, there is a job that has to be done. And I don't see how you can do it with your full devotion and have another job where you get paid. Now, that's just where I'm at right now. And I might be wrong, but I do believe you need money to go on mission. So, People are giving you money. You're raising support. You're doing stuff. I think that's similar to what. Yeah. A what about missionaries doing. raising support? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, raising, you know, support is. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different than maybe this is. You know, you're on payroll and you're getting a paycheck. That's people going out and kind of crowdfunding from several different you know resources in order to go serve for a year somewhere. And again, I can't be a, a good judge of that. I guess more of like what I'm asking, and maybe I can ask it to you guys, is is um, can you um, are you is serving and your ministry is that the same as a job? As far as like you know, are you getting paid in order to minister, or do we minister and we give because because we're Christians and that we believe that a savior came and died for us. And, and, and I don't see examples really of uh, the disciples and Jesus actually going out and raising, you know, money in order to keep doing that. Now they did 
rely on on the goodness of people in different towns and had to stay with them and had to eat with them and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's that's my question, you know, to maybe to you guys or to everyone, you know, is 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 ministry getting paid? Like, are those two in conflict with each other? I think yes and no is, is what my answer is. And now I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. I agree with you. The idea of a pastor getting paid also then means that the congregation has some influence over what he's proclaiming or exhorting or all. I mean, it just does naturally, no matter what, like, I mean, same as a missionary, the people that give you money, they're expecting to see those pictures of the poor stuff and don't want to hear how you were treated super well and stayed at a nice hotel or anything like, like you're called to do a certain thing. So I think, Anytime money is involved, it gets a little bit weird no matter what. And the truth is, too, the, here's the real deal. Uh, church doesn't need paid staff, but the church people won't actually do the work. Like the, the number one thing that every church struggles with is finding any kind of volunteer to actually even serve within the tr- church structure that we have, which I think is also, I mean, we can go on, the, on all kinds of topics here. But I agree with you. Money makes things weird. And the I believe that's why, and the reason why it's happening is because that's what people want. And I don't even think they realize. I think they want a nice building with air conditioned, donuts, coffee, a hell of a speaker, a killer band, this, this, and that. And it's very Americanized, and it does feel icky. It feels weird and strange. And that's why I am literally wrestling with those thoughts right now that you're saying of, is it good? But I really believe the mo- nobody. You, I don't think anybody really cares. <laughs> You're that, definitely wrestling with it with yourself. <laughs> I know, even right now. It's a great question. It's I tough. actually believe that, I, okay, let me just start with me, and I don't know, maybe I'll ask you guys this question. I don't care about money. I don't think God does either. That that That's the thing. I think what y'all are saying, even with the, about the portion and stuff like that, where's your heart at in that? Like that, God, I don't think Jesus really cared about the rich man being rich as much as he goes, well, you're not going to give this up. Like it, it, it owns you. You don't own it. Yeah. The Porsche, the Porsche owns you. You don't own it. And so anytime the money or something starts owning you, that's when it gets really scary and weird. And you can't be, maybe you can't be as honest or as open in, in it. And that's where I do. I, I do struggle with that idea for sure. Yeah. Joey, what I, about you? You think you should get paid? Um, well, I guess for me, it goes, I mean, you don't even preach most Sundays. <laughs> I think if church was done differently, then there would be no need for pay. But I think that, and and I'm not saying that how church is done is the right way, but how, how, how we do church at Seacoast, there needs to be people getting paid because Sunday mornings are a big thing. There's other things going on. There's, there's buildings, there's all sorts of moving parts that people have to devote more time to. Now, whether that is a good idea or not is debatable. But here's, here's what I will say is we bring uh, a lot of people to church on Sunday mornings that are maybe not at a place to where they realize, man, this, I need to give my all. I need to sacrifice everything. I need to live for Jesus with everything, but they will start giving money because they're just like, yeah, I kind of like that pastor. I kind of like this stuff. I, I can, I can give money to this. And then a tsunami hits uh, India and Seacoast is able to strike a check for $200,000 or more. Maybe it was a half a million. I don't remember. But if I'm running a little house church, probably not going to be able to do that. Now, I understand the opposing arguments and all that stuff. So anyway, I'm just saying that could it be that the, the way that we do church now and paying people, uh, it's just what we have to do in this broken world, which goes back to Toby's point of, sure, we could say everybody needs to pitch in, but what if they don't? 
Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're making a good point, and, and and it does speak to you know America and 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 what the expectations are. You know, the expectations are we need you, you know we need really good music. We need a funny a funny speaker, and right. in, in order to keep everything going. And um and I go to a church where people get paid. I'm not saying hey let's tear down all the churches, but I am saying like, um, especially, you know, in this political season where people are sick of big government and they say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a conservative and I'm sick of big government. Well, you know, my, my thing, as I look around the country and, and you guys know too, because you've traveled so much with your band and it's, it's not just an epidemic to a certain, uh, area of our country. It's, it, it, it's a nationwide for America that our church, you know, Christianity has so much wealth in it. We have so much manpower in it, and um, we could end a lot of uh, a lot of uh, problems if the church was stepping in and doing its job. And yeah. um, I think some of that is that if you want your community to change, how come there's a church on every single street corner, but the homeless guy is still sitting over there digging through the trash? And that's an easy analogy for me to make, and and that can unravel, but. Um, just in broad strokes, I just feel like so much energy that the church is spending is spending on, on itself and on the body and entertaining the body. And then yeah. and then at some point, we have to start doing what Jesus told us to do. And when he went through that whole, you know, uh, when he was, you know, giving us a good talking to saying, you know, when I was in jail, you didn't come visit me. And when I was, you know, hungry, you didn't feed me and you didn't clothe me and so on and so forth. Um I just think that uh, the American church is guilty of that. And I'm not suggesting that let's not participate in church. I think in order to change the mindset of church is that we got to get closer to to God's heart with all of this. And then some of this stuff is going to peel away on its own because someone's going to eventually say, hey, maybe we shouldn't have a freaking full-on Starbucks in our church. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we should spend that money on something else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a... It's funny you brought this up. Uh, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I'm struggling right now. Our church is building a new church, and other night, uh, other morning, I was in the shower, and that's, sometimes the Lord talks to me in the shower. I think it's because I'm naked and vulnerable, <laughs> and uh, you know, like when you see a fat roll, you're like, you really see yourself or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I'm just, I'm kind of struggling. Like the things that we will be, like we have to make an account one day to the Lord, and and I'm thinking, am I? I'm going to, would I like, like what you said, like the amount of money that the danger with the money is and the guy with the Porsche is not necessarily, it's not the money. The danger is, is it just recycling back in? You go, yeah, sure. I did a ton of good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a billionaire and I give $10 million, but you're right. Like the whole thing is like, there's a limit. You could always, I have a 2003 piece of shit Dodge van that is falling apart and it's way nicer than probably any of the people that Mike is helping in other countries car. They would, it'd be like a Cadillac to them. So I could even go worse. I could sell that car and walk or whatever it might be. There's some limit that you have to stop and go, no, this is a, a station life or it's where I'm going to stay. But I do wonder things that we're going to hold ourselves accountable for. Like I like that we're talking about this because we should at least be potentially aware that maybe we're wrong about the money we're spending on ourselves. Like yeah, the, the, the bigger, nicer, better place, There'll be people that come to it and stuff, but maybe there's real danger that we're missing helping the widow, helping the orphan, helping the poor person. I think that's what you're saying. That's the big thing. Not necessarily that the money even matters to God, but more along the lines of, are we sinning in the name of Jesus or, you know? Yeah. Well, and in full disclosure, I love nice things. 
Um, right, right, right. My iPhone is the best iPhone you, you can buy. My computer is always going to be the best computer that I can get. I spend money on stuff. Right. But because I'm in this and I'm getting dangerously close to um, trying to uh, paint a comparison, um, which I don't want to say, I want to be clear that I'm a dumbass and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that I screw up. But um, not as much as Toby, but go ahead. But I'm trying to live in the spirit of say yes is it is that I don't, you know, you start to naturally say, you know what, I just don't need this thing, this extra thing that I was going to do, because I want to be able to give that, you know, I want to have money in reserve to give away. And I think, you know, at some point, Christians have to say that we can't just keep giving and serving to just Thanksgiving and Christmas. What do we Mm -hmm. do? Our food drives or, you know, our are people do people need to be fed year round? Of course they do. And there's right. and there's things year round, but yeah. I just, you know, I feel that the church and Christians are absent on these things. Um I think when it comes to homelessness, the uh, the Catholic Church is beyond reproach and they and they are serving people in the inner cities. Um uh, but I think, you know, for the majority, especially these mega churches, the um do they help support a missionary in in Kenya, of course they do, but is it proportionate to the rest of the money they spend on on their Rinkus Heinz light show and sound system for the church? I don't know that it actually is equal or even close uh, to proportionate to what Jesus was telling us to do. And yeah, so, yeah. and so, I mean, just for me, just for me, what I'm trying to do is is examine these things and not say we have to step away from the church because of it, but let's figure out how to get the church back on track. To giving and serving in your community, but also uh, everywhere. Definitely, yeah. I mean the conversation is needed for sure, and I think how That's you the thing how I like about this, we're having a conversation, right. and about how you're having it is very it. healthy. It's not this church bashing thing. It's no, we got to talk about this, and we have to be able to say no. Is that is that right, or or, or can we say something wrong? Hey, what are people going to get when they subscribe to your podcast and go listen to some episodes? Like, well, what are you? What's that all about? Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I've tried to interview people that are working in the field. So, um, recently, uh, I, I did, uh, Annie Downs who, um, she lives here in Nashville. She's a, a writer. A lot of people, uh, know her for, uh, for her books, but, you know, she's worked a lot with Mocha Club and different, uh, organizations, but I try to, you know, talk to people that are in the, in the field because I'm trying to get rid of, uh, that notion of that you have to be special or have magical powers or have endless wealth, or you have to, what people try to say, be called um, to serve. And these are just normal people that are um, doing the hard work. And so I try to highlight that with our podcast. Well, we appreciate you doing it and good luck to you. Yeah. I uh, I got one last question. Has there been any, like you say, you, you guys are saying yes and hadn't had to say no. Has there been any creepy things where you're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have said yes to that, but you did? <laughs> yeah, I had. A, yeah, I have. I mean, I had a a, a past relationship friendship uh, from my childhood come up where he was homeless and needed a place to stay. And he stayed with us for three months. And it was it was very, very, very. Cha- no way. Very, cha- very challenging. That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. Have you, hey, y'all need to go. Y'all need to watch the movie The Gift with Jason Bateman because he should have said no. He said <laughs> yeah, yes. No, I was going to say, uh, Joey and Priscilla did the say yes to everything. And then the first thing they got was a, like a invitation to join a swingers club. Yeah. <laughs> so tough. It was terrible. Major Mayor Stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, enjoy talking to you today. Thanks, Thank you. Guys. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you real soon. I appreciate it.
All right, givingisbelieving.com. Word. See you, Mike. All right. Matt, kick the music for me. Got it. All right. First news, maybe the only news, we're kind of running a little behind. Oh, my gosh. The Lord but we is might end up showing about this favor. For a while. The Lord is I have no idea favor. what this means. I'm going to need, I know Jip Pastor. I know <laughs> the pastor to my left has no idea what this is. Gravitational waves detected for oh, the yeah. first time. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nice. You are not going to throw me under you that bus. You do not know what a gravitational You did not even know about this story. I know. Y'all told me about it, but let me ask you a question. One week ago, did you know what a gravitational wave was? Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I've been studying <laughs> these. Have, <laughs> I've been waiting on the edge of my seat You've never, for the revelation that came out last week. I Technically, dude, technically, Toby, he did, because Science Mike did mention amazingly, m- mention gravitational waves being predicted on Joey's show that he recorded two weeks ago, a week before they were actually discovered. Wow, that is pretty crazy. And with with I mean it hadn't even come out yet and uh, but they no, had the mentioned Mike. it on Joey's show but no I didn't understand the what science video. Mike was talking you about you were just going boring <laughs> get back to the giants uh, <laughs> uh, okay uh, this comes from uh, World News it looks like uh, uh, oh Discovery actually Discovery dot com. Uh, a century after being proposed by physicist Albert Einstein, scientists have made the first detection of gravitational waves. Waves, massive celestial objects on the move, causing space-time itself to ripple. A historic discovery that opens up an entirely new way of studying the cosmos. The detection was made by the twin LIGO, mm-hmm. LIGO maybe, in- interferometers. On September 14, 2015, located in Livingston, Louisiana, and Hanford, Washington, just two days after the system was significantly upgraded to boost its sensitivity. Um, it goes on to talk about gravitational waves, Matt, but I'll let you take it over. I don't understand what the big deal is. I didn't know that I, they, I don't understand that what it is or how it was predicted that mm-hmm. we couldn't see it or know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Speak on this, Matt. Well, I don't have a prepared. Can you unpack this science segment for it? But I am aware of and have been aware of what gravitational waves are and were predicted for a long time. Uh, so it's real crazy that they got, you know, discovered literally 100 years after Einstein published, uh, I think, general relativity. Um, yeah. Yeah. General relativity. So special relativity didn't include gravity and then general did. Um, but so essentially a gravity waves are, uh, I, I may misspeak about any of this, but I'm going to say, I'm just going to say what I think I understand. So I, like I said, I'm not, I don't have a science segment prepared. So forgive Good me if disclaimer. I misspeak. Gravitational waves are the, really the mechanism by which gravity is carried. So think, I think I'm right about this, but think about this way. If, uh, you know how gravity and space-time, gravity affects space-time. So you understand at least space-time as being a four-dimensional thing. At least you understand that analogy, right? Yeah. Like we're on, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like totally. we're, like, imagine the universe as a waterbed. And so if there's a heavy bowling ball in the waterbed, and then there is a tennis ball somewhere else on the waterbed that's sunken down, that tennis ball is going to roll down toward the okay. bowling ball. B- big balls on a waterbed. Gotcha. Right. Been there, done that. <laughs> Go well, ahead. all right, maybe I'm not going to get too far with this, but the, the gravity waves propagate or extend at the, the speed of light, and they carry the information, essentially, of space-time and the effects of gravity. So so they are the, the information. Uh, maybe this way, if we were orbiting the, the, the sun and then the sun uh, disappeared, 
it might take the time it takes the speed of light to get here, I think we would go on orbiting the sun for about seven minutes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it well, it doesn't make it doesn't make intuitive right. sense. Right, right, right. But it's literally the effects of gravity are information that is carried out to us, and then subsequently we are affected by the the gravi- the gravitational waves are the the shape of the the space time itself. And it, so heavy things make ripples in space-time itself, like water on a pond. So think of the universe as a pond, and it's very calm in general. And so gravitational waves are very, very small for the most part. And so you don't notice them. And so this LIGO detector, has they've built it just to notice the ripples in space-time itself. And so they fi- there was two black holes that were going near each other and then combined you know, crashed into each other and it created these very severe gravitational waves that actually once they arrived at us from like a billion years ago when that happened, they changed, they, those detectors were able to, were uh, expanded and contracted in, in a tiny, tiny little way because of the gravitational waves. So I'm not doing a good job of this at all. You might have to ask me a more specific question because I the don't, colliding I don't black I'm, holes created a violent storm in yeah. the fabric of space time. Right. So you said the storm the, lasted just 20 milliseconds, but during that span, it pumped out more power than 50 times all the stars in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- okay, let, let me try it another way. We've All of astronomy is measuring light, right? Everything's looking at telescopes and light, infrared light, gamma rays, radio waves. Those are all in the light spectrum, right? We've That's it. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like a, a whole different thing. This is not light we're looking at. It's actual Wave, so it's more like you could say it's more like sound. So now we're listening to the universe, and all we've been doing so far is looking. And these things weren't that were just predicted that they existed. We didn't, we've never been able to prove the mechanism that gravity has or how it yeah. works. And so Einstein's relativity predict, predicted that space time would be warped in just these ways, and that you would be able to detect it. So like when a gravity wave passes through the Earth, it's been traveling a billion years, so it's a very faint, tiny little wave. It expands and stretches the ground beneath your very feet. And so it detects a small change in one tube, and then the next tube over, the very same change happens a split second later, and then it happens across the country again in the second detector. So they were able to really measure space-time expansion and contraction predictably and uh, prove that that the gravity waves really do exist, which is a function of relativity. It was predicted by that, and 100 years later, finally we built sensitive enough instruments to prove it true. So now we know something about gravity that we did not know. But most excitingly, now we have a whole nother way to look at the universe. So we only barely have been able to prove that they exist. So now we can improve yeah. technology to detect them more and more sensitively. And then it'll be just like we did with telescopes. Like the first but telescope was like, oh, clue? I see. Like what, is, what does it actually mean? What, what technology? Will we get like better phones or something? Or like, <laughs> will we be able to teleport? What Does it do anything like that? You know what I mean? Well, I don't, I mean, it's more, think about it just from astronomy. It's like the first, this is like the very first person put a telescope together and looked in the sky and go, holy shit, this works. I can use, I can look at light and see things that we couldn't see with our eyes. And so then from that was born all astronomy. And so this is the first time we've been able to do this, which is listen. So it's like we've developed a whole new, we've found a whole new possible technology to, to look at the universe with. And this is just like, oh, those things exist. Now we can start trying to use them and study them. And crazy that Einstein predicted mathematically that they must 
exist and it's taken us a hundred years to prove that they do and build sensitive enough equipment that we can start to do better and better and better with and have a way to look at the universe so it's unbelievable well, that's this well, is what gets me going in the morning nah, boy. i didn't do a good job explaining it but that's no, yeah, no that's, hey I, it's I'll, great man i'm really excited about I'll it i'll say this man when i don't stop and think about it enough but when i do hear people talk about like the distance between stuff in space you think demons <laughs> well these, these waves that got here have been traveling a billion years from the collapse of a double black hole to get here and they just got here and we were able to detect them it's, it's, no, it's insane it's well it th- is well, that's insane. really weird too because it, no i'm being serious it, like how fast stuff travels and how long it takes it's unbelievable like seriously joey only has one black hole and the smell from that <laughs> thing can make it in my nose in under a second, under a second. <laughs> <laughs> so I, i'm not that impressed by two giant well, black it, holes smashing I, I, and it taking a billion years to get here if you joey's can. one black hole can meet me at my nostrils in less than a second <laughs> And it, so Matt, the black the, holes that that uh, rammed each other. Yeah. So there's two black holes, and they just started ramming each other, Matt. Right? Yes, We're just trying right. to follow here. Yeah. And this shit started flying everywhere. Then this shit flew out at the speed of light, and a billion years later, here we are with our shit detectors. That's correct. That's exactly right. So all these scientists Does that make sense? Shit Einstein to, predicted yeah. that some black holes would pound each other and spling out some shit, and a billion years later, we'd be able to detect it. And sure enough, detect he was right that about shit. that shit. Man, Einstein was smart. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's now awesome. You it. But I mean, t- people that are halfway interested in this kind of stuff, it's insane. Because when I was growing up, when I was a kid, they talked about black holes. Maybe it was a thing. And then they thought, oh, it is a thing. And then we're like, oh, okay, we're observing what we think is black holes. Now now it's given this black holes. Now all these, these th- like even just black holes existing hasn't been widely accepted. until It's changed during my lifetime. And this this whole, all these implications of, of relativity. And now this just confirming more and more. And like now we can use this and move on. I mean, astronomy has changed a ton just in my lifetime since I've been paying attention. It's actually pretty exciting. Well, we we realize, obviously, that the Nephilim are involved mm-hmm. in the process that happened a billion years ago. I mean, they the Nephilim have been in space ripping these holes open. What yes. Joey, what chance do you think a black hole is hell? Because, <laughs> Matt, doesn't a black hole annihilate you? Well, yes. It destroys everything. Oh, yeah, yeah annihilationism. I, there you go, Joey. Matt, I mean, oh, actually, maybe. no, it would actually be the opposite, because if you go into a black hole, your body would be stretched out infinitely. That's one of the consequences of if you fell into a black hole is you would be like your toes would be separated <laughs> and stretched farther from your head. So time would, as you were going the black hole, if you were uh, able to observe, it would slow down from the external observer. But so you would it'd die, be the right? opposite. Yeah, you would die essentially. But time from the external frame would appear to slow down infinitely so it'd be the opposite it'd be the opposite of annihilationism because it would go on forever matthew Matthew mcconaughey didn't die i was just gonna say what i hear matthew mcconaughey say murph murph would i hear that gravitational wave (laughs) (laughs) gotta ride that gravitational wave all the way back to earth You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.